Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening, where we continue our reflections into the very rich history of our faith. As many of you know, from one week to the next, what we are about here on Seeds of Truth is a careful consideration of the great Christian thinkers through the years and what they have to teach us about our faith. This evening, we are going to hit the pause button, as we have in the past, to talk about a very important event in our faith. You know, we considered very carefully what took place in 313 AD in the Edict of Milan when Constantine lifted the persecution of the Christians. We also, for a period of three weeks, considered the Crusades, answering many of your questions about some of the confusion out there. Well, we have arrived at another important event in our history, and that is Mary's appearance to Juan Diego and, of course, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. You know, throughout the centuries, Mary has been reportedly appearing in various places around the world, and while some of these reports certainly have been false and can be chalked up to one's overzealous behavior, others have been approved by the Church for their authentic fruit and message that is congruent with the Gospel. Huh? Now, among the many approved apparition sites, the one that stands by itself in history for its transformation and impact upon a culture is that of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the single most visited Catholic shrine in the world, where 20 million people annually trek, of course, to Mexico City to pay their uh, devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. 484 years ago, in one city by the name of Tenochtitlan, today Mexico City, Mary appeared to this very simple man, Juan Diego. And this is what we are, we are going to talk about this evening, and I'm going to do this with John O'Hara. So, John, great to have you with me this evening. Always good to be here, Joe. So, John, Our Lady of Guadalupe, really an extraordinary story to tell, uh, one that comes to us in a very particular historical context. And as we do from one week to the next, to really appreciate anything that we talk about, we have to appreciate the historical circumstance, and why Mary would have been appearing to this people during this time with the message that she had. Remember Martin Luther, 1517, and the appearance of Our Lady was in 1531. By 1531, Europe was having serious problems. Trent was only about 15 years away from getting formed. So, in that context, she comes. The Franciscans were there, and, they, and a conversion of the Indians did begin. Also, conquest began. Mexico City was a lake. It's still there, although I think they might have a, a, a canal. That's yeah. about all that's left yeah. of it. But anyway, it was a lake, and there was an island in the middle. And uh, Cortez, the principal conquering Spanish gentleman, uh, was able to eventually take the Aztec, and he was able to build causeways to the island. And so pretty soon it became Spanish, and the Franciscans went out to make conversions, and they did this. A Spanish... Uh, Bishop Maine Zumarraga was sent to, we'll call it Mexico City, that wasn't its name then. Mm-hmm. You had the correct name, you pronounced it very nicely, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then we have the character of Juan Diego. In Spanish society, you had 
or rather in the Indian society, you had the remnants of Montezuma, and then you had the warrior class, which kind of was around that, although they were losing influence with the Spanish. And then you had a large middle class, in which Juan Diego was one. These middle class people could move around. They had a lot of freedom. Below them, you had laborers, and before that, you had slaves. So Juan Diego was kind of a, he wasn't really poor, poor, but he was kind of like a, a middle class gentleman. Yeah, so here you have John, this very simple man who belongs to the simple class, a recent Christian convert, oh, by the way, who in the beginning of December in 1531 has a series of encounters with Our Lady that ultimately transforms the world. This begins on December 9th, 1531, and it was a Saturday. Uh, back in those days, I believe uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary was around December 9th. Here it's December the 8th. Juan Diego was on his way to church, uh, and, and it was a 14-mile walk, but that was really nothing for, for people like himself in those days. And he passes by this small hill called Tipiac, which had religious significance, although at the time I think it was not much more than just a hill. And a lady appears to him and says, I want you to go to the bishop, and I want a church built for me here. Well, he says, all right. Now, he calls her Little Maiden, meaning mm-hmm. I think that he was older than she was. Yeah. He may have been in his 50s at this time. Mm-hmm. His wife had died. Juan Diego's wife had died a few years earlier, and he was alone. So... Uh, he goes to the bishop, and uh, it's hard to see a bishop. I mean, I can't go see the bishop for Sacramento just yeah. by walking in, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he couldn't either. But anyway, he does see him, and he says, you know, a lady appeared to me, and the bishop was nice. Uh-huh, okay, keep me informed, goodbye. Yeah. So Juan Diego goes walking back, and the lady says, well, how did it go? And he said, not very well. He didn't believe me. If I could read this little message to her, this came from her report. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, things didn't go very well. He didn't believe me. You know... My dear lady maiden, you better get some with more gravitas than little Juan Diego here. (laughs) And this is what she says to him. Listen to me, my youngest and dearest son. Know for sure that I do not lack servants and messengers to whom I can give the task of carrying out my words, who will carry out my will. But it is very necessary that you plead my cause, and with your help and through your mediation that my will be fulfilled. My youngest and dearest son, I urge and firmly order you to go to the bishop again tomorrow. Tell him in my name and make him fully understand my intention that he start to work on the chapel I am requesting. Tell him again that I am the ever-virgin Holy Mary, the mother of God who is sending you. Why do I like this? Christ didn't pick Pharisees. Christ didn't pick Sadducees. Mm -hmm. Christ picked the common guy, like us. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. at the end, he says, okay, now go and baptize and mm-hmm, spread. I mean, mm-hmm. this is just typical of the way our Lord seems to work. Yeah. Juan Diego yeah. didn't want this. He didn't ask us for us. And he's just a middle, and by golly, here it is. Mm-hmm. And she wanted a church built. Why does she want a church built? Because where there is a church, there is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of her son. Amen. He uh, goes back to the bishop uh, the next day, and uh, this is on a Sunday, and the bishop says, okay, and the bishop gave him a lot more time. He says, but bring me some proof. Mm-hmm. So he goes back, but his uncle is desperately sick on Sunday night. Monday he spends trying to take care of his uncle. The uncle is dying. The uncle says, go get me a priest. Juan Diego leaves to get a priest. And on Tuesday, December the 12th, he runs into her again. And she says, uh, go to the bishop. Well, my uncle is sick. Don't worry about it. He's cured as of right now. Mm-hmm. So... Go to the top of the hill, Juan Diego, there's flowers. He goes up there, cuts the flowers, brings them down. She says, take off your tilma. She, she arranges the flowers in his tilma. Bring these to the bishop as proof. 
He brings him to the bishop as proof, and he undoes his tilma, and there are the flowers, and there is the image. Mm -hmm. That was what convinced the bishop. He spent Tuesday night with the bishop. Wednesday, the bishop went out to the hill where it was. About two to three weeks later, that church was built. It didn't take long to build churches. No permits had to be get, mm -hmm. and uh, the tilma has been there ever since. Amen. John, you mentioned the roses, and remember, he was up there in the dead of winter, so Juan Diego took the fact that there was roses up on that hill as the miracle, as the sign, right? But as uh, you just noted, certainly the greater miracle is yet to come in what was on his tilma. Now, as it relates to the tilma, it is a beautiful illustration of what we read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, huh? And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. This wonderfully, John, describes what is on the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. You had mentioned Tepeyac Hill, uh, a hill being of great religious significance, and well, you're right, because Tepeyac Hill was the location of the ancient feminine goddess. <laughs> Mary had arrived on that same hill as the revelation of true feminine genius. We must remember the cincture around her waist was an Aztec sign of pregnancy, huh? When you look closely at the image, you see this. Mary is pregnant. Uh, our Lord is in her womb. She brings with her the birth of new life in her son wherever she goes, huh? Um, we also see her adorned with the sun, moon, and stars. These were all deities of the ancient Aztecs, huh? Mary was announcing herself as the queen of the hosts of heaven and more powerful than the pagan deities. We also see uh, the image of Mary crushing the serpent, huh? This is significant because the serpent was a prominent divinity for the Aztecs. Once again, this is what we read in Revelation 12, huh? You know, this is fascinating, John. Recent science has claimed that the stars on her mantle are of the constellation Virgo, and most astonishingly, they appeared positioned as the constellation would have appeared on the date of December 12, 1531. Mary appears as the true virgin of the stars. It has been reported, John, that within a time frame of 10 years, over 9 million Aztecs had converted to the new Christian faith. Mary went into the heart of a culture with the purpose of bringing the Indian people to a deeper understanding of the divine by transforming, we could say, their understanding of the divine. She took the images and signs that represented their cult and gave them a new cult, a new worship, one that pointed to her son. Our Lady of Guadalupe made man new, and in turn, the culture of Tenochtitlan was transformed in truth. For this reason, St. John Paul II called Our Lady of Guadalupe the perfect image of enculturation. What's enculturation? Bringing the saving message of Jesus Christ into the heart of the culture, speaking the language of their people. That is what is at the heart of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah, this was her most significant missionary appearance. Yes. And, uh, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of Catholics and Christians in Latin America have been virtually since that appearance. Yes, absolutely. Thanks be to God, yes. Uh, John, I wanted to talk a little bit about the supernatural element to this. 
You know, six years ago, there was a Marian Congress in Our Lady of Guadalupe, and one particular researcher and physicist, Dr. Aldafo Roscoe, uh, was a keynote speaker at this Marian Conference on Our Lady of Guadalupe, and he had a lot of things to say, and certainly he's a man of science, so when he was talking about the scientific aspect of this, he had the people's attention, and he gave numerous examples. Well, among the many examples, he drew out the fact that claws, similar to the tilma, have been placed in, in a, a salty and humid environment around the basilica and have not lasted more than 10 years. One particular painting of the miraculous image that was created in 1789 was on display in a church near the basilica where the tilma was placed. Made with the best techniques of its time, the copy was beautiful, made with the fabric very similar to that of the tilma. However, eight years later, the copy of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe was thrown away because the colors were fading and the threads were breaking. Now, Orozco contrasted that against the original Tilma and how it was exposed for approximately 116 years without any kind of protection. We look at it now and it's encased in glass. But for the first 116 years, it had no protection. Nothing happened to it. Huh? He noted a few other miracles, the first of which occurred in 1785 when a worker accidentally spilled a 50% nitric acid solvent on the right side of the cloth. He says, besides any natural explanation, the acid has not destroyed the fabric of the cloth. Indeed, it has not even destroyed the colored parts of the image. You know, elsewhere he talked about the explosion of a bomb near the Tillman 1921. Uh, Dr. Orozco recalled that the explosion broke the marble floor and windows 150 meters from the explosion. But in his own words, unexpectedly, neither the tilma nor the normal glass that protected the tilma was damaged or broken. The only damage near it was a brass crucifix that was twisted by the blast. Fascinating. He concluded... There are no explanations why the shock wave that broke windows 150 meters afar did not destroy the normal glass that protected the image. Some people said that the sun, by means of the brass crucifix, protected the image of his mother. The real fact is that we don't have a natural explanation for this event. Striking. In one form or another, we're going to see science can either prove nor disprove yeah. religion and belief in God. There's other areas where this has happened. And... Uh, in Our Lady of Guadalupe. And remember, it was made on cactus fiber. This winter cloak was made out of cactus fiber, and it wasn't intended to last forever. No, yeah. no, but see, this is the genius of God. And you know, John, what's most fascinating is that the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe is the only image, the only piece of art in human history that actually comes from the finger of God. That is amazing. Think about that. Yeah. The Sistine Chapel, as beautiful as it is, did not come from, per se, the actual finger of God. Uh, the great David, as amazing as that sculpture is, did not come from the finger of God. Uh, the Mona Lisa, whatever your favorite painting, sculpture, whatever your favorite thing is, that did not come, per se, from the finger of God, as much as it may communicate something of God and draw us into the mystery and beauty of God. Only the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe came from the finger of God. Amazing, yeah. yeah. Well, there have been attempts to disprove this apparition. Go ahead, have mm -hmm. at it. Yeah. Um, one of the issues was uh, 
lack of written references about this. The bishop was Azumaraga, highly educated man, uh, a very good Franciscan, uh, was barefoot, got up at, to say matins uh, daily. I mean, uh, he's, after he's a Franciscan, I mean, this is about three o'clock, you get up and you go back to bed. Holy guy. And um, they can't find his records. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is too bad because something this important, surely he should have had in it. Well, none of his records could be found. In fact, the date of his death, around 1548, I think, was not noted in the records. Mm -hmm. uh, something happened to those records. We simply don't have them. And in 1566, uh, in, there was a paper shortage, and I don't think any records survived. They were taken. They were, I don't know, reused or whatever. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there, there just is no records of that period. Now, there is a record written by a man named Antonio. He knew Juan Diego. He was younger than Juan Diego, and he wrote uh, an article, and I think he might have written it in Indian as mm -hmm. opposed to Spanish. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. that has survived, and he knew Juan Diego, and he knew the principles involved, and he himself was quite well educated at the whatever Spanish university was there. So we have that. And the name of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I'm not quite sure. There is a Spanish church in Spain. The church is still there. Ferdinand and Isabella worshiped there. I mean, they weren't alive for this. But uh, anyway, that name somehow got associated with Our Lady. I'm not sure how. Yeah, John, just to quickly interject, you know, the word Guadalupe comes from Wolf River. And I think there is where you might find the answer, at least where the strongest tradition comes from. You know, it was back in 1340 where one King Alfonso XI of Castile built a monastery, and with him he brought uh, a statue that became the most revered statue in all of Spain. Many noble women went there to adorn it with jeweled mantles and gold. And this monastery was built uh, by a river that was infested with wolves. And so it became known as the Guadalupe Castle, the Guadalupe area, right? Well, it was also known as the area where there was a great devotion to this image um, that seemed to uh, spread, right? Well, you had mentioned Ferdinand and Isabella, right? The thought is uh, those who came from the old world to the new world brought with them this devotion uh, to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and then they correlated it with this image. Because why? The image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and then Tenochtitlan, uh, was adorned with jeweled mantles, right? Was adorned with gold, was adorned with great light. So uh, certainly you can see the connection there between the statue that was revered in all of Spain and the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There have been attempts to, to downplay this, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't see how you really can. I mean, when you take a look at the results, they, uh, the, the results, I think, are the, la are the largest evidence that something spiritually substantial happened. Yeah, and when you look at those who have visited uh, the, the shrine and who have doubted in their vi visitation and have left believing, it certainly speaks to not only the evidence, certainly, but something that ought to be highlighted, John, is the frequency of the pilgrims. You know, we mentioned that the 20 million annually, as many of us know, for those who are on pilgrimage, those last miles are done on bended knee. It's a very humbling thing yeah. to see these very frail, in some cases old, you know, uh, folks journeying to the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe on bended knee, literally journeying to the shrine on knees. It's humbling. Um, and I think what happens is there are a lot of people who go there in disbelief, 
And upon the sight of seeing the humility, the faithfulness of the people and their devotion to Jesus through Mary, okay, to Jesus through Mary, certainly we've talked about this on a number of programs, it touches them deeply. Uh And so while they might be there as scientists to analyze this image, and they need to do it for themselves as much as they've seen so many other things about it, as some scientists have noted, it was the people of Guadalupe. Um, well, Juan which Diego, to they built a church there, and Juan Diego had a little side hut built near the church, and he remained there for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. explaining to people what had happened. And there was, of course, the tilma. And uh, he died, uh, according to one record, he was died at age 74, I believe. Yes, yes. 1548. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, Juan Diego, he dies in uh, 1548. Uh, we, we must remember something here about Juan Diego. He received these visions when he was 57 years old. Pretty much every other apparition site, John, in all of the history of apparitions, Mary appears to children. But children are what? Little ones. In the eyes of God, although he was 57 years old, Juan Diego was a little one because he was simple. He was poor in spirit. He belonged to the Anawim of God, those who lived on bended knee. Yes, he was a recent Christian convert in 1531, but he was a man of profound humility, profound simplicity. So the message is clear. You can be childlike and need to be childlike even at the age of 57, and great things will happen to you when you are childlike. And that is the prerequisite, ultimately, of holiness and sainthood. Oh, by the way, in 2002, St. John Paul II canonized Juan Diego as St. Juan Diego because of his holiness. So very important. Juan Diego had a great devotion to Jesus Christ and those whom he served. Devoted to his uncle. Um, I don't think he can go into a Catholic church in California without seeing an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. We know there's a lot of Hispanics in, uh, in California, and mm-hmm. they are devoted to Our Lady of Guadalupe, as are non-Hispanics for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great image of Our Lady. It really is, John. And, and something else about Our Lady of Guadalupe, she is patroness of the unborn. Remember, she came to the people of then Tenochtitlan uh, with a message, I bear life, I bear life. So she is rightfully the patroness of the unborn. So in 2015, we need to turn our eyes to Our Lady of Guadalupe and the life inside her womb, the person of Jesus Christ, calling upon her as an intercessor, especially in these days where we have a growing awareness into the horror of abortion and what is actually going on in today's culture of death. We need to turn our attention to her as one who will intercede on the behalf of the unborn, and who is interceding on behalf of the unborn. Very important, John. I'm a a little bit of a revert in the Catholic Catholic Church, and I came back in 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 the late 90s, and I was going to daily Mass, and I taught high school in a, down in East LA. And I went to Mass at St. Gertrude's, and I showed up uh, for Mass on December the 12th, and I mean, you couldn't park within a mile mm-hmm. of that church. And finally, yeah. I got and they were outside. I mean, I could, yeah. what on earth is going on? And yeah. I mean, it was massive. Yeah. I mean, this is just a, a regular old church, you oh, know? Oh, sure, sure. And that's when it dawned on me how important this was. Yeah, 484 years of devotion is what happened. I mean, you give anything 484 years traction, and 
it is going to swell. And certainly a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, just not within our Hispanic communities, but as you touched upon earlier, John, within the global Catholic community and global Christian community um, has this devotion spread. So, John, just by way of wrap-up, I don't know if you have uh, any closing thoughts. Well, Mary wants churches built, not for herself, Amen. for her son. Amen. That's where he is. Amen, John, and that's really what Our Lady's about, right? Always pointing to her son. What are those words that come to us from the wedding feast at Cana? Do whatever he tells you. She comes to uh, Tenochtitlan, uh, today's Mexico City, and says, essentially, do whatever my son tells you. There's a reason why there were nine million conversions to Christianity, because their understanding of worship was absolutely transformed. And any time you see Mary appearing somewhere, and if you want to find out if it's authentic or not, look at her message. Is her message pointing to Jesus Christ? Under those who um, are touched by that message, living a more radical life for Jesus Christ, because that's the bottom line. With that, John, I just want to encourage our listening audience to go online, uh, read some articles, pick up some books on Our Lady of Guadalupe, familiarize yourself more with Our Lady of Guadalupe. We just hardly scratch the surface. There's so many more things to discover. Again, what we are here on Seeds of Truth is about whetting your appetite, right? So, okay, with that, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.